I think that the adaptability that we've like learned in terms of like doing the van has been a really good and very critical skill to have for this whole thing because it's just like okay nobody knows what's gonna happen like everything's uncertain but so everything's kind of uncertain when you don't know where you're gonna like sleep that night too so it's like been I think a little bit easier for us than a lot of people because we're used to being out there hanging out with each other and not really knowing what's going to happen and having to just kind of go with the flow. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. So I don't think you all can hear it, but we're actually sitting in Kenny's parents' driveway and there's um, some country... Yeah, mooch ducking. But there's some country music playing in the background. I think it's too quiet for you to hear it, but it just sets the stage for where we're talking right now. This is kind of cool. Yeah, that's that's my dad. His his, like 1940s country music, which is actually a few years before he was born, but yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It's so cool. But this is the same place that we recorded the conversation with Lizzie and Thomas again. This is the second part with Lizzie and Thomas. We caught up with them after they came back into the United States after And Mexico. back to Colorado as well. And back to like Colorado. Us. Yeah, actually, we were sitting in the driveway in Denver, and they were sitting in a friend's house in Crested Butte. Which is a pretty spectacular mountain town out here, mm-hmm. like really known for especially like extreme skiing and some uh, cool mountain biking and stuff but uh, yeah you know if you don't remember thomas and lizzie were the weird dirty hippies that we talked to not really <laughs> that are living in their van they're fun they're not really weird dirty hippies but that was kind of a fun conversation but <laughs> yeah so like when we talked to them the first time it was a lot about how they ended up in a van and in mexico which is where we met them you know, we were we happened to both be traveling through Mexico at the same same time and crossed up. Yeah, and this time is more like catching up with them because they spent, gosh, I think another two or three months in Mexico after we left. So catching up with them a little bit about the life in Baja and then crossing back over into the United States right when the pandemic was kind of coming into play and then how that kind of impacted their travels. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of cool to get it was fun for me to learn more about what they did down there that because they did a lot of things that we didn't do and um it was fun to get get their take on mexico and then coming back and and kind of how they're sustaining their lifestyle because you know everybody in this like full-time whether it's van life or rv or whatever it is um this kind of nomadic lifestyle has a there's all these different ways of doing it and making it happen and that's, I think, what one of our purposes of this podcast is, is to make sure that you all know that there are different ways to do it, and whatever you come up with, it's totally doable. Like, yeah, I mean, there's no right or wrong, and there's no rule that says, well, if you're a full-time RV or a full-time van life or whatever, whatever you want to call yourself, you know, it's not like, oh, well, then I can only live in my van. I can yeah. only do... And you'll find out more about this... Um, as we talk to Thomas and Lizzie again, because they, they have some different takes on it. Like, we've mostly stayed in our RV. Yeah. And they have a dog. Like, for I the just, last couple of years. We can't forget so. their dog. Umphrey. Umphrey. They yeah. got a dog named Umphrey. They have a van named Karini. And if you're a fish fan, you'll know what that means. I don't really. But It's a song. Oh, I know it's a song. But I'm sure there's head. some meaning to it, you know. There's probably something very significant 
either that or it's just like, well, you get stoned and it's a cool song. I don't know. There's probably more in-depth meaning to it than that. <laughs> That's what we'll I was We'll let Thomas and Lizzie talk a little bit more, so we're going to shut up. All, all right. right. Plus, we're recording in the middle of, in the driveway, like we said, and it's freaking hot and all the windows are shut and it's hot and we're dying. So <laughs> we're going to shut up. And give you Thomas and Lizzie, part two. Part two. I'm not waiting for the go-ahead. I'm just okay. going to crack my beer. Crack your beers. We got Lizzie and Thomas here for part two. They can crack theirs, too. Ooh. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, wait, wait, clink. Oh, his I'm is almost dark. Oh. Is very dark beer. Ooh, look at that. Oh, that's a good pour. Super chocolate. Wait, clink. Oh, that was a weird clink. It won't clink. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, since we're pouring beers and talking, we can talk beers real quick. What are you guys drinking? We're drinking the Eddie Line Brewery Grapefruit Yanker. It is a grapefruit IPA with some mango in it. Very delicious and refreshing. <laughs> great advertisement. Great, <laughs> great little brewery, too, up in uh, Buena Vista. What are you drinking, Kenny? I am drinking, sadly, one of the final cans ever of Next Stop Bruco's Istanbul, which is a Turkish coffee stout. Oh, but, that sounds uh, Next Stop Bruco opened about three years ago as Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project and changed their name along the way. And then... It's in Denver um, off of like, oh, it's on like 8th and Santa Fe. Yeah, but oh. all the, they've had kind of a rough go of it and they decided to close the doors. And so this Saturday is going to be their last hurrah. Yeah. And we're going to shutter it. So as soon as we got here, we made a beeline there and spent a whole lot of money on beer. Oh, awesome. <laughs> a lot less than we could have though because they did 50% off on everything because they they weren't expecting the close right now so you know they they have a lot of beer that they're trying to get in people's hands so. what do I have yeah. I have the Saison Leon Leon Saison yeah pretty cool very good cool all right now that we got our beers we're good <laughs> <laughs> Now that we've run our commercials for all our beer friends <laughs> and mourned our losses. Well, and Colorado, um, other places are, have opened a little bit, but Colorado is finally opening up their breweries and stuff with all kind of weird rules and laws on Wednesday. Yeah, I saw yeah. opening restaurants and stuff too, like 50% capacity. And yeah, oh, yeah that's a fun one. We, get, we should talk about that. Because <laughs> like the breweries technically aren't opening, but if oh, they serve food... If they will serve food, then they can open along the restaurant guidelines. Oh, because like yeah. bars aren't allowed to open. So right. They're, they're so even all, they, all that the breweries have to do now is partner with a, re a local restaurant or somebody next to them who will promise to bring food over to the brewery and or have a food truck. Yeah. And now they're a restaurant. Yeah. And a few months ago, you couldn't bring your dog into a brewery because beer was food. But now that COVID hit, Beer is no longer food, so you got to have food service to open your brewery while the restaurant's open, I, but you still can't bring a dog. The rules don't make any sense. I, I think we should shut the hell up with this ridiculous story right now. Talk yeah. to Thomas and Lizzie about their travels. We should. Shush. If you remember um, on one of our last podcasts, we introduced these guys. We actually met them in Baja. They're from Colorado. We never met them in Colorado. We met them in Baja, um, hung out with them for a little bit, had some strong-ass margaritas, <laughs> and then we yeah <laughs> yes and then we met them again actually what just about a month ago in gulf shores 
Alabama. Kind of a random thing, too. That's just the way it's going to be. We're just going to meet randomly throughout the country and around the world. We'll, we'll circle that all back together at some point, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> and then now we're talking to them. We are in Denver in a driveway, basically, and you guys are out in Crested Butte. Correct. Yeah. So we actually, first of all, want to know more about um, Baja. We want to know more about all your adventures there. You stayed for a lot longer than we did, and you went down like way south. Right, where we met you guys at Cielito Lindo, we, that was about a, pretty much as far south as we went, and we stuck that part in uh, north, but you guys stayed a lot longer, like a few more months after us, and really did the whole Baja Sur part of the country. Yeah, I think when we met you guys, we had only been in Baja for like maybe a week or so, maybe just a little bit yeah. longer. Um, it was just after Thanksgiving, and we got there like the Sunday before Thanksgiving, so... We were only a few hours south of the border at that point, and we definitely had plans to stay. I think we, when we originally planned it, we were thinking maybe around three months, and that's what's, what ended up happening. But we had plans to do a little bit more exploring in Baja North, but it was kind of cold. <laughs> yeah, it was. So um, we left from where we met you all and went to, like, Bay, I think. Well, first we went to. Uh, Bay of L.A. Bay of L.A. So Bay of LA was awesome. It's like completely off the grid. They just paved the highway, I think, a year or two ago. And uh, you need to make sure you get gas before you go or else you're not going to make it back. And we got there and it was just windy and cold, but beautiful. <laughs> oh, and then we just slowly started making our way down Baja North and everywhere we went, it was just windy and cold. And then we made it to Baja Sur and we're like we made it it's warm they're surfing and the clouds parted the sun shone down uh, <laughs> and then we never left yeah and I, mean, <laughs> I didn't realize when we were first going there that baja north like their peak season is summer time it's just like california you know it's kind of cold there in the winter right. um and as it got to be like further like closer and closer to winter it was just you know deeper into winter it was colder there so we so we spent probably i would say like majority of our time was i mean yes definitely majority of our time probably like our base was a town called um, el pescadero which is near todos santos um it's about an hour north of cabo and cabo is the furthest south that you can go in baja um so it there's there are these little towns todos santos has kind of become a little bit of a tourist destination lately because it's Kind of got a little bit of an artsy vibe and has like a pretty big expat community um a little bit hip i guess you could say mm -hmm. um but then there's this other really small town that's just like 10 minutes from there um which is where we spent most of our time because there was a bunch of free totally free camping on the beaches um and like a lot of surfing which is what we were trying to do and um, we made like a lot of really good friends there so it kind of ended up being our base and then we did what's called the loop, which is like going through Cabo and then up the East Cape of, of Southern Baja and then back over to where we were, which was on the Pacific side. So through we did that, yeah, through La Paz. Um, oh, we did that like a few times because we had friends come visit and then we had, you know, so we were going to meet people and then we were going and taking a friend on the loop. And so we did that a few times just to kind of check out everything, but we had a little bit of a base, which was really nice in um, Todos Santos, and El Pescadero. Cool. So like you guys have been doing, I know some different work up here in the States to like fund your, your lifestyle, but 
now you guys can just become Baja Sur tour guides. Yeah, yeah. We've looped it around, you know everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we loved it. We uh besides the surfing, we were always trying to watch the surf report because sometimes it was too big for us because we're not that good and it would be <laughs> it'd be small. So we'd go to the other side and make sure it wasn't too windy and then we bought like a little spear gun and started doing some spear fishing and oh nice. Went and swam with whale sharks, did some scuba diving. It, it was an awesome time down there. So what like you guys are you guys you would you guys consider yourselves kind of novice or intermediate surfers surf last summer in canada we just took our first lesson on the van trip and bought our surfboards when you saw us we uh yeah. we had uh i think four days of surfing <laughs> under our belt we <laughs> so went what's to the big wave went to mexico <laughs> wow oh, these sorry, are sorry. Big waves than we thought <laughs> So what's a big wave for you guys? Uh, like three or four feet is pretty big for us. And some days in Mexico, they were like six or seven. And Oh, wow. It was scary. <laughs> Got to start somewhere. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been in Hawaii on the North Shore when they had like 16-foot waves. Oh, Not surfing, just watching surfers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, that is scary. It's a really crazy thing because we do so many other, like, I guess what you would call... Like, extreme sports you know like snowboarding and skiing and like mountain biking and i only really learned how to mountain bike last year too but learning how to surf is nothing like that because there's so many things that have to be right in order to be able to even like try it like you the waves have to be the right size and it can't be too choppy and you have to get in line which is something i didn't even really know that there's like only one person takes each wave so there's like this surfer etiquette and you have to like wait in line and if you start paddling you have to paddle at the exact right time to not miss the wave and then stand up at the exact right time and if you miss it you have to go back into the back of the line like you can't just keep trying so it's like so many things have to be perfectly lined up in order for you to even have a shot at learning <laughs> so it's, oh yeah it's and, really interesting and i think the most interesting thing is if you find yourself in a really bad spot you can't hit the brakes or stop it's just hold your breath and hold for the best <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's pretty much what um, our definition of serving is sometimes we would stand up for a little while and it was awesome but. <laughs> Do you ever end up in any spots that were kind of clicky with locals or anything that were kind of like, well, what are you doing in our territory? Uh, sometimes we camped at some spots where uh, people were like, hey, man, this is a locals only spot. Don't tell anyone about this spot. And we're like, we're not good enough to surf that. We're not even getting <laughs> the water. So all the beaches we went to were like beginner friendly and they were super friendly with all of us surfing there. And they're like, it's your turn now. Go ahead. We also were there so much that we got to know like all the guys that are like the surf instructors there and like the people that live there and work there so that also made it a lot less intimidating because we like knew a lot yeah. of the people there and, uh, because we were basically there for three months and we basically we took a couple trips but we were in pretty much the same two beaches for three months and uh everyone else i talked to who was also traveling long term and we met a lot of people who are really really good surfers and they said just the vibe in Mexico with people sharing waves is way better than like Hawaii or other foreign places where people really fight for those local waves and Mexicans and down there in the Baja, they're just willing to share them with everybody. 
That's cool. So what would you say there are a lot of people, I mean, obviously now there's not a whole lot of travel going back and forth or anybody going really to Baja. It's going to happen again. And even right before all this happened, I mean, you, I'm not going to Mexico. Mexico's dangerous. Baja, no, you're not going there. I can't believe you're going there. I mean, what would you say to people that really kind of want to travel there, but they're just a little hesitant because they think the safety is not Do it. Good. Just go. Like, people like to make crazy headlines. We felt way safer the entire three months we were in Mexico than we did in several places we went in over the States and in, in, in Canada. Um, like, Sure, there were some towns where we felt maybe uncomfortable because there was just like we were some of the only white people there and there were so many police and military and like it seemed kind of like shady neighborhoods. But we also didn't spend time in those areas and decided to look on iOverlander and read the reviews and find where it's like good for people at the camp and sometimes it's just like oh, that spot doesn't seem like that's that nice of a spot. We shouldn't go there. Just like, you probably shouldn't go to the south side of Chicago and try and go camping. (laughs) It's it's the same thing of trusting your gut and following you through on your instincts. If something doesn't feel right, then don't stay. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, we never felt anything in Mexico that felt uh, like remotely uncomfortable. I mean, I just feel like there's so many things that you could do. I mean, I studied abroad when I was 18 in South America and then in Europe. And I felt like, you know, even people then were like, aren't you afraid? Or like, did anything happen? And I just feel like there's certain things that you do to use your common sense. Like you follow your gut instinct when you're like in an uncomfortable environment, you do your research in advance to like make sure you're going to be in a safe spot. You do things like, I mean, like, just simple things like we, whenever we would get, cause we primarily used cash when we were in Mexico. So whenever we would go get cash, we would get, you know, like cash for two weeks. And then we would just put most of it in the safe and our debit card in the safe. And, you know, just, just in case, not that I felt like that was like an issue, but especially because we were carrying so much more cash in Mexico than we would ever, would ever carry in the U S and Canada, just doing things like that. And just taking what you need. Like, I think that those types of things that are just, I think common sense types of, things that you can do to improve your security and just the way you feel, I think makes a really big difference. Yeah. Um, and I would say like the only, besides that, like Baja, just, that's just travel in general. But besides that, like Baja is, I feel like it's, and I've heard from people who have been to the mainland that it's just way safer. Um, not that the mainland is not safe if you're smart about it, but that Baja especially, it's so separated from mainland Mexico. You don't have all the issues that you have with like, cartels and stuff like that so I never felt like weird or unsafe and even at the military checkpoints that you hit pretty often on the way down or up the peninsula I don't know we just I just made him get out and talk to them and he doesn't (laughs) speak any Spanish so he would just be like and they would let us go you the dumb American (laughs) I don't know yeah and I feel like if if you don't have anything to hide, you're not doing it. was like, yeah, come, you can open my drawers and look in the van and right. have nothing to hide. Like, and I, I feel like they look at us and they're like, wow, you're more scared than I am. Like, I thought you <laughs> a drug dealer or something, but like, I don't know. It's just like, it's just got such a bad reputation for how beautiful of a country it is and how welcoming they are. And, so I feel like us Americans have a lot to learn from them with their like hospitality. 
and we, I don't know. Yeah, I think we came away with very much the same feeling and the only place there in all of Baja that I felt a little uncomfortable was in Tijuana. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like to be in big cities in the United States either, you know. Yeah, I don't like exactly. to be like anywhere, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just more that the big the size of the city than Yeah. Because there was nothing that really happened there. Too. There's nothing weird happened. You know, actually we had some, met some very friendly people in Tijuana that helped us out a lot. So Yeah. yeah. I think a- when we were when we were going through Tijuana the second time we were heading out past like getting back into the United States, it was just a very, very long travel day. I was just we were both exhausted and then we were waiting a long line to get back across the border to the yeah. United States. And yeah. yeah, both of us were just kind of done. So that definitely had an impact on our thoughts and feelings of Tijuana oh, as well. <laughs> yeah. We, we yeah. crossed into and out of Mexico at Tecate just cause we heard that it was less of a busy travel mm-hmm. like destination. Like there wasn't as many people trying to cross the border on a regular basis. And we did that just for that reason, because we didn't want to like deal with like a busy border crossing or a big city right when we first got into Mexico. It was, it was so, super easy both ways. Yeah. So no. were you starting, so you crossed back into the United States like right around the end of February? No. Oh, yeah. It was, I think it was like March yeah. 2nd. Okay, yeah, March. March 2nd. Very beginning of March. Right when all of this COVID bullshit stuff was really kind of starting to hit. and It was no. just creeping into the... Were you guys given any, like, I don't know if you followed the, like, State Department alerts or anything like that. Were there any, like, alerts Nothing that you really had or anybody telling you, it's like, oh, you should probably think about heading back to the United States yet? Nothing was into effect until about five days after we got into the country. Oh. We got into the country and Lizzie's friend texted her and said, welcome back. Get ready to hear nothing about coronavirus for the next three months. And we're like, hear about nothing but coronavirus. We're like, what is this? She then, lives in New York City, so she was like, welcome back. Oh, we, had yeah. heard it. we had talked to her like twice when we were there. We're like, what is this corona? And then, and then we got to Denver, and we hung out in Denver for about a week. Hung out with all our friends. Everything was normal. Went and got breakfast with our friend on our way out of town before we drove to Tennessee. And uh, it took us three days to get to Tennessee. And as we were in, we pull into Nashville, Tennessee, and we're in a bar. And I think it was like one of the last nights the bar was open. They showed on all the screens, all the sports were closing. All the Disney World was closing. And we were just like, wow, the end of the world is here. And, and he was driving like pretty much that whole drive. And we stopped in Kansas to visit my friend who is a nursing student. And she, we talked about it a little bit, but we're kind of joking. And like, then, and then I was the rest of the drive, I was just sitting there reading like news. I was just like getting like obsessed with it. And it was right when everything really got crazy. And then, yeah, like you said, like we remember being in Nashville and that was when they shut down like NCAA and like all this stuff. And we were like, oh man, everything is different now. And it's, we got to Tennessee, we got to Knoxville, which is where we were going for a couple of months. And we went out to a restaurant the first night we were there, and then it, and then, and then never and then never night. did anything again after that. The whole time we were there, we made, it, we made it there in time just to get set up in our new house, and everything got shut down about two days later. Yeah, yeah, so, that was such a surreal thing. To I'm sure you had the a similar experience. Like it's going from okay, nobody, no groups less more than a thousand, then five hundred, then two fifty. Now it's ten people, and yeah. now now shut down. Don't move. 
Yeah, yeah it was so crazy. We, uh, in Tennessee, it like had shut down, and they were, were like, "Wow, all the bars and restaurants and clubs and everything—you can only do takeout only, and no one's allowed to go anywhere." And we were like, "We were in Mexico twelve days ago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is—we were all the way in Cabo. Like, but we got out of there just in time." And we had some friends who were in Mexico still. They actually stayed until like. Almost the beginning of they had they had rented an apartment in the town that we were staying in Pescadero, and they were they had their lease I think through the end of or the beginning of May, and oh, they wow. ended up like like maybe a week or two beforehand they just like decided to leave because I guess that things just started to get crazy down there. Even like some of the towns were like barricading off the streets, like not wanting to let people in or out. And that was when they were like, I think we should probably go back. So I think it's, and they, and they shut down the beaches, which they shut down everywhere. So they weren't able to like camp on the beach or anything. So it was a, it was a really big blessing in disguise that like the coronavirus did not at all impact when we were planning to go back to, to the U S and when we were going to Tennessee, like all of that was already our plan. But I felt like it was really serendipitous timing for us. And we were really lucky because we ended up a making it back to the U S before anything got crazy with the border and B we were going to Tennessee to, cause he was going to work for one of our friends and like they had a house for us to stay in. So that was really nice because being in the van would have been like a little hard. I mean, you guys obviously did it in the RV, but like in the van, you know, we can only keep like 15 so gallons cars. of water and like, mm -hmm. you know, so it's just, it would have been a little bit tricky with like everything being closed. Cause you have to, we shower at the gym, you know, so all those things would have like been a little bit harder. So we were really lucky for the last two months that we had like a place to stay. So you were talking about like that was your initial plan is going to Tennessee anyhow and you were talking about like yep. having a job there. Yeah. Uh, I know Canada's really interested more and I know I am too is like I'm always interested as to how people finance their dream of living on the road. Um, so, and I know your yours is like more of a seasonal job to do that. So tell us more about how you're doing that. So our our initial plan when we were in Mexico, we were still sitting in Mexico like when do we leave? Lizzie had started teaching yoga at a yoga studio down there. I was making money in Mexico and it was like, oh, this is awesome. We're making money in Mexico now. And then uh, they, she was selling the studio and had potentially talked about like Lizzie coming back next season and doing yoga, teaching at the like new studio with a new owner and potentially like putting us up in there so we could have a place to like live and work there. And then <clears throat> I was looking into the idea of becoming a certified like scuba dive master so I could take people on like guided scuba dives. So I went and talked to a couple shops out there. We were like, sweet, September, we're going to come back, get an apartment in La Paz. Lizzie's going to get a remote job and I'm going to save a bunch of money and we're going to take like five months off and come back. So I called my buddy who happens to like his family owns a trailer park in Tennessee and we were going to go work for them. And the plan was to go work for them for the summer. And Lizzie had this other job dialed in and was almost about to get hired. And then we're in Tennessee and they're like, nope, no more jobs due to the coronavirus. Oh, and, and it was a remote job that I could have done anywhere. So and then the whole point. we get to Tennessee and we're like, oh, we can't go back to Mexico in September. Like, I don't want to go back until everything is okay in Mexico. And like, I'm not going to get a job, a, a or a job as a scuba dive instructor when there's no tourism going right. on. Um, so we just like hit a wall and we're like, well, 
we could go to Crested Butte and live in the woods and just hide <laughs> it out until, and I can get a job there and let's just go there. So, so the, new, the new word is pivot. <laughs> pivot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, get out of here. It was, I mean, it was literally within like 24 hours. He was like, well, if we're not going back to Mexico anytime, like in the next few months, like you can't get a job yet. I've been interviewing for another job, but I also decided to go back to school while this all is happening, just because I might as well, because uh, I eventually want to get my graduate degree. So I figured I might as well take some prerequisites that I can do online. So I'm going to school. He was working in Tennessee and he was like, well, I don't really want to be here if we're just going to be stuck. Like we could do the same thing in Crested Butte. We, backstory, we have a lot of friends who live here and we have spent a lot of time here over the last few years. Um, like some of our best friends, some of the people that came to visit us in Mexico, they all live here. So he was like, well, we could do the same thing in Crested Butte. They're doing here, but we'd be in a way cooler place and it was like some of our best friends. And Yeah, well, we might all be a little bit biased, but you know, Crested Butte, Colorado over Tennessee. Sorry, I think Colorado wins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it just worked out really well. And like literally within 24 hours, he's like, I think I, I think we should go back. We like texted our friend and he was like, yeah, I'll hire you for the summer. And within 24 hours, I think I, he's been I the breadwinner. And I, I, think I, need to, <laughs> I think I need to set my goals a little higher because the last two people I've called have given me jobs. I think I need to like start calling some billionaires. <laughs> Man. You didn't even have to work to get the job, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, no, nothing. Just, yeah, come on out. <laughs> Even here the other day, I was shoveling rocks and I was just looking around like, good choice. This place is beautiful. He's doing the worst place. Yeah. Yeah. He, until October, he'll be doing landscaping. Yeah, so we'll be here until October and then. Uh, and then what? And then we don't know. Uh, we're tossing around in the idea of maybe staying here and being ski bumps for the winter or maybe going back to Mexico or we either need and to. <laughs> We either need to go south with the van or get a house. Which we're not. It'll be too cold in the winter. We're not okay. super stoked on the idea of getting a house after living in the van for it. Because even right now, we're living in the van, but we're just paying our friends a little bit of money um, to be able to use their internet and shower here and you know do laundry here and stuff. Well, um, your van and I mean, like our RV, like it turns into your home because right now we're parked in his parents' driveway and like we could easily stay in their house. I mean, it's not a big deal, but like it's comfortable here. I have. Yeah, our, yeah. Buddy, our buddy's house is backed right up to National Forest or like 1.1 miles away with the van and the whole outdoor setup. And you need to go to the bathroom, just hop in the car and go down the street. <laughs> <laughs> Are there uh, mountain biking trails and things right around by you guys? Everywhere. There's like uh, 900 miles of trails in this valley, I think. Crested Butte oh, is probably yeah. one of the like biggest mountain biking destinations in the country. Have, you just got back to Crested Butte a few, like a week ago, but have you had a chance to get on the trails yet? Or how is yeah, it up there right now? I've heard him four times. He's been, he's been working, so. Yeah, I've been twice, though. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because we can literally ride from here, uh, their house, or from where our van is. We're just right on. A trail our, system. Our van is parked at the trailhead of an awesome trail that Sweet. connects to like 30 miles of trails. So it's like a get off work and you can just ride right from the van. That's, oh, that's like perfect. That's ideal. what we did. Um, we came back to Colorado. We stopped to visit some family in Colorado Springs and then we, we took a week to um, camp out at a, a an area called Buffalo Creek. If you, I don't know if you guys yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. love Buffalo yeah. Creek. Everybody knows Buffalo Creek yeah. in Colorado. So, obviously similar <laughs> that's the problem everybody knows it's so busy out there oh uh, yeah. big problem yeah it was great during the week but by the weekend it was going nuts but 
Well, yeah, we spent a week there where you can camp right on the trailhead too. And oh, nice. And we did. Yeah. I think we got like five out of six days riding there, and and I pulled a Brian, which was cool. You'll uh, meet him. Hopefully, you'll meet Brian <laughs> one day. But you now you have to explain what you mean by pulled a Brian. <laughs> I'm gonna show these guys. You can't see it, but like I got a nice little crack on my head there. Oh, did you go uh, over the bars? I did. Nice. Put it up in the air from what I was told. Nice. <laughs> So yeah, uh, kind of overcorrected on a turn that I skidded out on, and a little scraggy hit a rock and whoosh, went flying. But <laughs> oh. <laughs> we always joke it's a little scraggy because if you drive down that road a little bit further, like the paved road that's like that goes all the way to Deckers. Deckers, Deckers yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there's like a farm on the left that has like a tiny horse. Like we really are really big Parks and Rec fans and. They call him Little Sebastian, and so it was like, <laughs> a little scraggy, little Sebastian. Like, it's like all on the same road. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, get to Colorado. Go to Buffalo Creek. Everybody's going there anyway. And watch Parks and Rec. Yeah. <laughs> and watch Parks and Rec, and you'll get it. So, like, what's – have you had, like – have you felt, like, any frustrations from, like, COVID, or has it really not impacted you too much? Or, like, whether – what do you think of all that? I feel like for us, like when it finally hit, we were in Tennessee and we were living in a trailer park for one, which was super weird for us. <laughs> and we, yeah. we were in like the woods in Tennessee, number two. So it was like two weird elements that we're not used to at all. And then banjos in the background. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> we had our we had our buddy and his wife and their baby and uh so I don't think it really affected us that much because we didn't have anything to do or anyone to hang out with. So we were just like, I'm here to work. And I worked every day. Like, like it I, wasn't different than any of the expectations that we had of going there anyways, except for maybe going to like some restaurants. And But then, but then towards the end of the time, I was just like, wait, nothing's going to open. I can't go to the national park. I, uh, they shut down the state parks where all the mountain bike trails are. Like, I want to go somewhere where I can actually be allowed to go into the woods and be around my friends. I just wanted to be around my friends. I feel like I feel like I just miss so many people. That was the main concern for us. But then, other than that, I feel like it wasn't that bad. I mean, I think for us, like I told, I taught this in a couple because I've been teaching some yoga classes on Zoom for my friends, and I feel like the first couple of weeks of quarantine. The reason I started to do it was because it seemed like everyone kind of needed it. And some of the things I talked about and like themed my classes around were like the fact that I feel like we van, van life has kind of prepared us a little bit. We're a little bit better equipped than a lot of people, I feel, to like have dealt with this whole quarantine thing because we're especially couple wise. Yeah. People don't know their significant other. You guys obviously yeah. don't <laughs> yeah, like but we've some been, people are like, who are you? We're used to hanging oh, yeah. out twenty four seven all day, every day with nobody else. Like that's like we're used to it. Um, so that wasn't hard for us. And if anything, I've seen him less since quarantine started because he was working and I wasn't, which is like different than it's been for the whole last year. Um, and I think the other thing too is like the fact that like yeah, we just like pivoted to like okay, I'm gonna go back to school. Pivoted to okay, let's go to Crested Butte for now. Like. It, I think that the adaptability that we've like learned in terms of like doing the van has been a really good and very critical 
skill to have for this whole thing because it's just like okay nobody knows what's going to happen like everything's uncertain but so everything's kind of uncertain when you don't know where you're gonna like sleep that night too so it's like been I think a little bit easier for us than a lot of people because we're used to being out there hanging out with each other and not really knowing what's going to happen and having to just kind of go with the flow yeah I felt like very similar for us um like our biggest struggles from this were very first world problems you know like yeah, like yeah. not being able to go to a tap room was real that's yeah. been one of our <laughs> biggest social frustrations yeah that and like you were saying thomas about like national parks and things being closed down to where you weren't even allowed to go out on a trail and yeah. like we we frequently go riding with friends and stuff and you know as well as we do when you go hiking or biking or whatever out there you're not right on top of each other anyway you know yeah. you're, you're in a fairly safe environment even with this whole thing going on because you know you're not licking each other's faces and stuff <laughs> when you're out there you know you're you're spread out pretty good yeah i feel like the weirdest thing for me with the whole thing is that this whole last year i feel like all of my friends are like so you're just quitting your job and not doing anything <laughs> and then coronavirus starts and i'm the only one with a job and all of my other <laughs> don't have a job and i'm like and they're like i'm making more money than i was before i wish i was unemployed all the time and i'm like yeah i'm just working now isn't Damn. it ironic <laughs> yeah you guys said it perfectly though like we're more like RVers, van lifers people who are living nomadic you know life like they're so much more prepared for all this is because it's what we did in the first place yeah. Yeah. like especially like us and people who really don't plan a lot it's like well, i don't know where we're sleeping tonight and that kind of hasn't really changed yeah. i don't know yeah, what's after yeah. this <laughs> but i know i'm gonna hang out with this person all day every day so if we would have killed each other it would have been a long time ago <laughs> exactly <laughs> the facts that the factors that were like emotional factors didn't affect us as much and it's like okay cool we were really glad to have a stationary place to be just because the logistical factors would have been more complicated in van life but the emotional factors i'm like we're good <laughs> yep. I, mean, I really have not had like any kind of i feel like every single person i know has had like a little bit of a breakdown or something you know since, since this whole thing started i'm like i just don't really feel like I've been there, but, but, you know, I think that's because we're used to not working and switching and pivoting, like you said earlier. So, so has this been, has this like reinforced your like, yes, we're totally doing this full van life or thing or whatever happens, happens. If we end yeah. up at an apartment in Cabo, great. If we travel to the Pacific Northwest, great. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, it definitely made us realize like, cool. We made all these awesome plans, plans change. All our plans just went out the window. And you just have to adapt to that. It's like, what do we really want to do now? But it's like, definitely solidified our like idea that we, you know, want to still be nomadic. And like one of the things that I'm like, which I think that I've been thinking about for a really long, I definitely have been thinking about for a long time, but I'm going back to school. Um, and that's like, you know, been a cool thing to realize during this whole thing too, especially after being in the van. Cause it's like, okay, cool. Like we can go anywhere for, I'm taking just some prerequisites now, but you know, we might we might have to go somewhere for a year or two for me to like actually do my graduate program. So like, cool, we can go anywhere for like a year or two and potentially live in the van for like a lot of it and um and 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 then go wherever. And you know, the idea is like to eventually have 
like my own business, and, you know, just like all these things that we know that we can do and that will allow us to con- continue to have the lifestyle that we want, which is, you know, to travel and to do all the things that we love and to not to be in a, in a stationary spot and to be locked down to a certain job or something like that, that you have to do all the time. So I think it's definitely just kind of solidified and reinforced and also given us like a second to evaluate and be like, okay, cool. How are we going to continue this? Like, let's make these couple changes so that we can keep continuing doing this, this thing that we're doing. No, yeah, that's really cool. And I, I get really inspired by you guys because I think you, because I, if I remember right, you guys went into this whole van life thing with more of a short-term idea. And then you, you already, before all this crap happened in the world, we're already pivoting on your own. And like, you guys have shown yourselves to be very resilient and very adaptable. And I think that's kind of cool. And, uh, and just like I said, inspiring. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird how it's been in the, the last year, like when we terminated our rental lease and I was like, man, this is so scary. Like <laughs> moving into a van and I'm not going to have a house. And now we're like thinking about maybe staying in the ski town for the winter. And I'm like, wow, this is so scary. Signing a lease. Like if we've done a lease, this is crazy. Like we could just live in the van forever. Like, <laughs> it's so crazy how one year has changed so much stuff. And I'm like, I don't need to make all that money, but we got to keep living in the van. Like rent and house and car payments. That's so expensive. Like keep the budget down and the fun up. That's the start. Yeah. The budget down and the fun up. That's good. But that's the stories that we like to share, though, is like so many people are fearful of like not following that typical path when it turns out like that's the one you should be following. (laughs) Yeah, it changed our lives. Like the last year has been awesome. Wait, we can't end this without talking about Umphrey. You guys have a puppy doggy. Yeah, we'll bring him in here real quick. How's he handling all that? Oh, he does. He loves. He misses Mexico so much. He's very (laughs) adaptable. If anything, Umphrey's very adaptable. But he, uh, he loves. the warm weather so even just coming back here he was like so we had to get him uh we had to get him a, a jacket he's been wearing a jacket like pretty much non-stop since we got to crested here <laughs> he's like it's so although I, I have heard that they do they one of the things that has made them the military checkpoint so easy for us was that we had a dog they would like open the door and be like does he bite and like and he would always growl and bark and he always growled people so and the people were <laughs> Yeah, never mind. So, I think also having a dog. So, tip if you're trying to do illegal stuff, bring a dog with you. <laughs> Good thought, tip. <laughs> Is that why everybody has dogs in their vans and RVs? It must be. <laughs> <laughs> it must be. Well, on that note, I think we should end on a cheers. Cheers. And I think our cheers should be fuck COVID. Again, no. Again, I'm tired of it. Cheers. I'm not tired of it yet. <laughs> no, I think it should be, be done. I think our cheers should be B2B. Back to Baja. Back okay, to that's Baja. much better than mine. Yeah, that was a pretty good cheers. I like that. Back to Baja. Back to Baja, which I think we'll all be back there again. At least the four of us will be, and maybe we'll be back there at the same time again and be able to cheers on the beach of Baja. Drinking more Mexican beers and strong-ass margaritas <laughs> and lobster. 
Um, we're not in Maine. Damn. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> Although we did run into them again. Um, we actually both, like, just inadvertently happened to be in the south just um, recently in around Alabama. I thought was funny is because it was when both of us started to travel more again. So we were starting to travel a little bit again, and we were leaving, getting ready to leave Gulf Shores to start mm -hmm. traveling again after-ish the pandemic. And then they were coming to Gulf Shores getting ready to travel again yeah we, because we, they were yeah in, our past in past. tennessee they were in tennessee working for a little bit and then we all happened to be basically heading back to colorado at about yeah. the same time and serendipitous yeah it was very serendipitous i think because that's what lizzie said too it was just like hey you guys are in gulf shores we're in gulf shores what okay let's go have a drink and we did so yeah ocean to ocean on the beach ocean to ocean i like that it was cool Ocean to Ocean friends, and now back to the mountains. <laughs> yeah, because we're going to go see and Crested Butte, too. No, that's pretty cool. And, yeah, so hopefully you guys really enjoyed that. We thought it was a really cool second half to... Very different from the, the first interview with them yeah. in Mexico. It gave a, a lot more insight into their life on the road. Yeah. I, w I was just thinking, though, too, and, like, the way we meet up with people on the road a lot, like, we we meet so many new friends, and then we come back and reconnect with old friends and it's all on the road and that's I guess one where was I going with this it was just it just made me think about this is like you're like ocean to ocean and across countries and across seas and all that but you still come back to all the people that you love yes yeah <laughs> well, it's true. I don't know where you're going with that but it, I just it, said it does make sense yeah because it's the, you it's, know it's those people you meet that you know you meet it's the people that you just have that instant connection with that's like feels like you've known them your entire life and then you don't see each other for three months six months a year and then you, you pick it right back up again. you pick right back up just like you had been friends forever again yeah and then you are friends forever and that's what it kind of felt like when we hung out with them on the beach in alabama mm -hmm. um and then like on the zoom call for the podcast yeah and even just hanging out on the podcast yeah. was awesome because that's what I, know, I was just trying to say is like the time. rv community or the travel community or the nomadic community or whatever you want to call it and the craft beer community they all match up and they all are wonderful. <laughs> wow, that was <laughs> that was lame. That was impressive. That was, that was lame. A big word. I think it's time wonderful. for us to end. This yeah, podcast. probably. I think you're getting about to have heat stroke it's, here. I think. Yeah. Um, Again, still recording <laughs> in the RV where it's very hot. But before you check out, yeah. When you check out, go check out uh, Karini the van on instagram that's uh thomas and lizzie's handle it's c-a-r-i-n-i -I, the van and that's on instagram and, and always just come back to us livingis.life.com we have a lot of resources oh yeah resources. come back podcasts to us. always come back to us. yeah make sure you subscribe please leave us a rating and review that helps a lot so uh yeah thanks for joining us and until next time cheers we'd love to hear from you so keep the conversation going Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.